Amen. The Lord is in this place. Let me just uh, let me just ask this: How many of you are in the middle of something right now, and you are waiting on the Lord for that to come to pass? Man, please take a look around. You are not alone this morning. Everybody in here is waiting on God for something. That is where he increases our faith. Amen? That is where he does the new thing. That is where he renews our strength. And that is where we find ourselves. And it's in that moment right there when it's dark, when it's difficult, and you can't see past it, that you need your faith strengthened. Amen? You need hope. That is why God assembled the church that we might come together in those moments to encourage one another and speak life to one another. Amen? Amen. I want us to pray before we get into our message today for the church in Ukraine. There's a lot about that situation that I know you're already praying for, but as I just thought about believers, just like us, who live there, have known freedom, have been set free from tyranny, communism, and had been living in the joy of that freedom. And now all of a sudden to have that restricted, cut off, people being killed, and the target drawn on the backs of those who believe, we need to pray for them. Amen? Let's do that. Father, this morning our hearts are heavy and hurt for all those in Ukraine who are suffering today at the hands of evil, who are suffering at the hands of those who want to take away, destroy, and deny their ability to live in freedom and deny them the ability to live out their faith. God, I pray you would strengthen those believers this morning. I pray you would supernaturally protect the church, the believers who are assembled. I pray that your spirit would well up within them with confidence to pray, to trust, to believe that you would renew their strength today, that they would run and not be weary, they would walk and not faint, that you would provide for them, that the gospel at this time would come alive in ways that it hasn't before. That as a result of what's happening, though the kingdoms of man may press against, that the kingdom of God would expand at this time. That there'd be even great revival. I pray against the spirit of evil in that place. The spirit of wickedness that wants to hurt and destroy and take captive. Father, we stand against that today and ask you to unleash your army of angels to do miraculous things to protect those believers there, to protect that land there, to push back the forces of evil that they may be withstood, that may be pushed back, that their weapons would be ineffective, that they would fall out of the sky, fall to the ground, that there'd be miraculous stories of the grandeur of your glory glory seen in that place. So God, we stand with them as brothers and sisters today. Our hearts are with them. We pray this in Christ's name, the one who has promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against your church. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, I can't believe we are at the end of our uh, more series today. It's been good. The Lord has uh, spoken to all of us. And I love the stories that I get to hear each week of 
individuals' lives who are being changed, being challenged, and we've, we've learned a lot over these last two months. We've learned the difference between soul and spirit in the Bible, uh, and that God has redeemed our spirit and is in the process <clears throat> of renewing our soul, amen? Our mind, our will, and emotions. He is conforming and transforming all of those to his image. He is constant in that work. We can trust him in that. You don't have to ask God to work in your life. He is at work in your life. What you have to ask for is eyes to see what he's already doing. Amen? So we've learned those things. We've, we've learned that it's, it's what he does that renews and resurrects our spirit, but he calls us to be responsible with renewing our mind, will, and emotions. That's a work that, that he calls us to do. You can't just sit back and say, well, I'm just going to see whatever he does. Well, he calls you to be passionate and intensive in the work, and then you'll see what he does, amen, of renewing your mind, your will, and emotions. We've also seen how God is far more concerned about our capacity than our activity. He's really not all that impressed by how much you do for him. He's really more impressed at how much you'll let him do for you at you opening up your heart, your spirit, to let him have his way to conform and transform you. We've seen how God uses struggle to expand our capacity, and we've seen how God uses vision, hope, and faith to expand our capacity. Today, we're in the book of Isaiah as we finish our series. Isaiah 53, I'll just start with for just a moment here. <clears throat> Isaiah 53 is a prophetic passage written about the sufferings of Jesus long before he comes to be the suffering servant. And so it's in Isaiah 53 that we have some of the most graphic descriptions of the sufferings of Jesus. And so you get into verse 5, for example, and we read, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, as Keith read earlier. Were you not encouraged by Keith's testimony? Amen, amen, yeah, amen, yeah. <clears throat> I know you're like us. We continue to pray for Keith. God's not finished there yet. He's at work, and it's evident. So Isaiah 53 gives us this picture of Jesus and his sufferings. The cross, long before it happens, by the way, we start a brand new series next week based on that verse I just read to you, verse 5. Here's the title of the series coming up, The Cross Heals. We're going to spend March and April in this as we lead up to uh, the Resurrection Sunday, amen. amen, and we see how the sufferings of Jesus are designed for our healing, Spiritual, emotional, mental, activity, will, and even in our body as well. We're going to see some powerful truths. You're going to get to hear some powerful stories of people within our own body who've experienced that kind of healing and see the glory of God through the sufferings and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? So that's coming up. But... Today we're going to be in Isaiah 54, so you can, you can turn there. That's another page over, maybe for some of you, Isaiah 54. 
And um, <clears throat> this is where we started this series weeks back. Now, I want to read verses one through three, and then we're going to come back and uh, we'll dive into these verses. And then I'll tell you the, mes- the title of our message here in just a moment. I want to keep drawing you back to this idea. 54 follows 53. <laughs> Profound, right? It's amazing. But here's the deal. What happens in 54 is a promise to those in prophecy who believe 53. I'll just tell you ahead of time. 54, I believe, is written to the believers, the young church, who come alive and are born as a result of the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 54 is written as promise and prophecy to the church. Listen to it. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the de- more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Man, some rich, powerful promise and prophecy from the Old Testament regarding the church, which by the way, is us. I believe these promises and this message is for us. So what I'm calling my message today is how to be ready for the next season of blessings. Did you know you have to get ready for the next season of blessings? If you are a farmer, if you work uh, in the flower bed, you know that it requires getting ready for the next season if you're going to plant. Many of you are already getting ready for the planting season that's coming here, right? You're getting ready to plant some vegetables and stuff. You're getting ready to get some new flowers out. You're about ready to take the pansies away. You're about ready to plant some new things. Amen? Got some gardeners and all that in here. You have to be ready for that next season. And the same is true for us in Christ. God has said that we have already been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Jesus Christ. They're they're ours And they are intended for us to experience. But you have to be in a position to receive them if you want to experience them. You've got to put your heart in the right capacity. The soil has to be ready to be opened for the seed to fall in for the next season of growth to come out. Amen? So today is all about how to get ready for the next season of blessing in your life and in our life as the church. So let's, um, I'm going to, let me write a title on the board up here just so we can put all this in this perspective. <clears throat> I've been enjoying the board. How about y'all? 
Yeah? It's been good. It's been helpful. Sometimes seeing something in visual unfold before you uh, helps. And uh, my background, of course, is more visual arts. So um, that's where I come from. I tend to think that way. And I don't know why I haven't done this up until now. So there you go. So when you read Isaiah 54, you get this picture here at the beginning in verse 1. Let's look at verse 1 a little bit more in detail here. Remember, 54 follows. Wow, okay, 53, good. So to those who believe that Jesus has atoned for their sin, to those who believe that Jesus took upon himself your sin debt, to those who believe that he not only took it, but he paid for it, he removed it and was resurrected and freed us from ever having to pay that back. To those who will believe that, there is a season of blessing coming that's ours in him. Amen? And so he starts here in 54 and he says, sing, O barren. Now, he uses an imagery that we understand and they would have understood in their day as well. The imagery here is of a woman who has not had a child. And because it uses the term barren, it implies that for a time she hasn't. It's been a while. It's been sad. It's been frustrating. It's been curious. It's brought her to a lot of prayer. It's brought her to a place of heartache. And the encouragement is, I know you've been barren, but now it's a new season and it's time to sing. He says, sing, O barren, you who have not born. It's sad because the woman here pictured, she's picked up that name, barren. She's called herself by her weakness. She's called herself by what she hasn't been able to see. That puts yourself in a bad spot when you identify as what you haven't got instead of identifying as who you have got. Are you with me on that? It's so easy to do that because we do that even as Christians. We want to call ourselves by all the things that we've yet to accomplish. We want to call ourselves by everything that we've failed at. We want to call ourselves by our greatest weakness instead of identifying with who Jesus says we are. And he says here, it's time for you to sing, O barren, you who have not born. It's time for you to break forth into singing and to cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. It's fascinating to me that he says to start singing, to start rejoicing before she's even had the child. Normally you would say, hey, there's coming a day when you're going to have a child and then you can sing and then you can shout and then you can be joyful. No, the encouragement here is it's time to sing. It's time to believe. It's time to shout even before you've labored with the child, even before you've seen the reality of the experience yet. The season's coming, but if you want to experience it, you've got to be in the right place to receive it. So he uses this imagery here of a woman. I imagine it as a uh, a, a man and a woman, and they're living in a, a small tent back in, in Isaiah's day. And this tent is, is just them. There's really no one else. And in this tent, they've, they've got very meager accommodations. Now I realize I'm probably drawing an elaborate tent for back in that day. 
Just imagine, though, that they're living in this small tent and it's become home. There's not a lot in it. They've got their things in it. They've got them in it. But there's no sound of children. There's no sound of laughter. There's no sound of crying. There's no little feet running around. It's just them and the sadness that it is just them. And to this couple, to this young woman specifically, God says, it's time to start singing. Mm. It's time to rejoice. So first point I want to make here today is that if you want to, if you want to get ready for the next season of blessing in your life, then be ready to believe God for more. We're so 21st century American-minded that we tend to not want to get excited until we see something happen. We want to see it proven. We want to see it tried. We want to see it evidence. And then once I see it, then I'll believe. And God says, you know, that's great that you think like that. But if you're going to operate in my kingdom, you're going to have to believe what I say and count it as a reality even before you see it come to pass. Uh, just like the, the passage was read earlier even, uh, the Jesus whom you have not seen, you believe. No one in this room has seen the physical presence of Jesus yet but we believe in him nonetheless, amen? And we believe promises that we have yet to see come to pass yet. There's some things I believe that you believe, if you believe the scripture, that require us to believe before we've seen them happen yet. I have not yet seen myself as blameless, righteous, and sinless. But the Bible says that in Jesus Christ, I am called blameless, righteous, and holy. I believe that truth long before I've practiced the reality of that truth. In fact, believing it is what helps me practice it. If you're waiting till the day that you think you can be sinless and righteous and blameless, before you start believing you're sinless, righteous, and blameless, you'll never get there. And you'll never have any strength in your life. You'll never have any power of faith in your life because faith believes in what is not seen. And here, this woman who hasn't seen the things she longed for happen yet is told to sing as though it is a reality already. Amen? There's some things God is desiring to do in your life that you've yet to see come to pass. He calls you and I to be bold in faith. He calls you and I to have clear conscience, sense his presence, have purpose, walk in victory. These are things he's wanting to do in us and through us. And to grow in that, you have to believe that those are true. You have to believe that he is working all things together for good, for his glory and your good before you'll see those things happen in your life. If you're waiting for everything in your life to take on this perfect placement, and then you say, oh, okay, it's all going perfectly now, according to me, now I'll believe God is in control. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. If you wanna see God in your life, believe he is working all things together in your life. Believe in his goodness, believe in his purpose, and then you'll start seeing, oh, there's God. 
There's God. There's God. Start believing the promise he has for you. Start believing the vision he has for you. And then you'll start seeing him evident in your life. Amen. Amen? Did you know also that God has some things that he envisions for your marriage? He does. He's got a bigger desire list for your marriage than you do. He's got one of grander importance than you do. And if you want to see God move in your marriage, then you have to begin to take in what he wants to accomplish in your marriage. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I already know God's will for your marriage. Regardless of where you are today, here's what his will is for you too. It is, husbands, that you might look like Jesus to her and to the world. Wives, that you might look like the church who has been sacrificed for, who has been redeemed, who has been called, and so that your marriage looks like the gospel to the world around us. That's, that's God's will. And you say, oh, we got a little ways to go. Welcome to the club, amen, right? But you won't get there if you don't believe that vision, if you don't believe that that's what God has in store for you. If you don't believe in some of the things that really you long for inside. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I already know in your marriage there's some things that you say, I kind of do wish this was different. I kind of do wish this was growing. I kind of wish this was changing. I wish our communication was better. I wish we had more spiritual conversations. I wish there was more sense of intimacy amongst us or between us. I wish there was a more sense of purpose in who we are. Good, that's awesome. God put that in you. God put that desire in you. Don't let go of that. Don't dismiss that. Don't say things like, well, it's just the way it's always going to be. And if you knew him, pfft, or vice versa, it's just the way it's always going to be. If you knew her, pfft. no, no, no. Look, don't let your own spirit of defeat take over your marriage. Don't let a spirit of complacency take over your marriage. Don't let a spirit of this is the way it's always going to be, this is the way it always was, this is the way it's always ever going to be. Don't let that take over your marriage. That's not from God. He is at work. He is moving. He has a purpose. He's arranging. He's working all things together. Amen? And as you believe God for more, you'll be ready for the next season of blessing. But if you're sitting around just saying, yeah, right. Well, we don't, we don't have what that couple has. And, we're not like them, and you know, she's not like her, and he's not like him, so I don't see how we're ever gonna be like them. And look, you're just speaking defeat all over yourself. You're just speaking demise and trouble, and you're doing it because you believe that instead of having a firm grasp on what God wants to do in your life. Amen? So, for yourself personally, for you and your marriage, but also, Remember, this passage is about the church. Sing, O Baron. So I picture this prophecy written to the young church in the book of Acts. They're young, they're small, but the power of God is within them, and they haven't seen all that Jesus said would be true yet. They haven't seen the gates of hell not prevailing against them yet. 
They haven't seen go into all the world and make disciples yet. They haven't seen uh, you shall be ambassadors, you shall be ministers of reconciliation. They haven't seen all of that yet. They haven't seen you are the pillar in the ground of truth in this world today. They haven't seen all that yet. They're a young church. They're barren in a sense because they haven't had any converts come from them yet. Oh, just wait. Wait, oh, barren little group. Because what God has started in you is about to eclipse anything you've ever seen anywhere else. He's about to move in you, little church. Get ready to sing, you who are barren right now. You may not have labored with children yet, but boy, your day is coming. Amen? Because God was going to expand their capacity. I know sometimes we read verses like this. You read verses like the story of Abraham and Sarah who... You know, at age 75, get a message that, that they're going to have a child. And I know what usually happens in church groups. There's usually a little funny, awkward laughter in the room. And the husband and wife turn to each other and say, well, I sure can't see us having a child at our age. <laughs> right? Yeah, you can awkwardly laugh along with that because it's true, right? You know, you say, well, no, we've had all the children we're going to have. We're not going to have any more children. We're sure we're going to have any children if we're 75 years old. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's just what we do. But let me ask you this. What if God came to you and said, I'm not going to birth a baby through you. I'm going to birth a movement through you. I'm going to birth something new in you. I'm going to birth something new through you. You would never believe on your own that you could ever see accomplished. I'm going to birth a level of intimacy for your marriage that you could not ever fathom even today. I'm going to birth through you something glorious that God's going to do through you. I'm going to birth something great in you personally that God's going to work through you. Now, what would you say? Abraham and Sarah, when they first heard it, they laughed as well, the Bible says. But then they believed and God birthed something new through them. If you want to see God do something new in you, you've got to believe he is the one who can birth something through you that you've not ever had before. Amen? Amen. Let's go on in our, our passage here. The next part of verse 1, it says, For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Ah, there's another woman, another couple on the scene all of a sudden. There's a, a desolate, which is the, the barren woman, but then there's the married woman referring to here. So you've got these two women. There's one who's barren and has no children, and there's one who's married, and apparently she has children. And God says, the one who's desolate and has none right now, you're about to have more than this woman could have ever dreamed possible. I believe these two pictures here, these two women, are pictures of the Jewish system of religion back in that day that left out Jesus and this new birthing church right here that's about to grow up and God's about to birth something brand new through her and more are about to be the children from this new, this new life than this one over here ever produced, says the Lord. Which brings us to our, our second point here this morning. If you want to be ready for the next season of blessing, then you need to say what God says. It's important. It's important that you speak truth. Now, let me be clear. 
I am not suggesting that you just need to have a positive mental attitude this morning. This is not a TED talk. I'm not the latest TV talk show. I'm not the latest pop psychology. I'm talking about what scripture says where you and I are commanded to speak the truth in our heart. Amen? Where we are called to believe what God says about what we see, about what we think, and above anything else in our life, we believe what God says in his word. And whatever he says is what I need to say. I don't need to be saying something different than what he's saying. But boy, sometimes that can happen. Maybe you grew up in a family where the talk was always toxic. Have you ever been around some toxic talkers before? In some ways, all of us are these toxic talkers because we've grown up, depending upon when you came to faith, maybe you were in it longer, you learned to just think and talk toxic all the time. Let me give you some examples of what toxic talk sounds like. Toxic talk says, man, the worst is always gonna happen. It's just the worst. The worst is coming. Things are terrible. Worst. It's gonna be the worst. Toxic talkers always see the worst case scenario coming. They're always analyzing and thinking about how terrible the next phase is gonna be. What is going to happen next. And boy, in this culture today, it has revealed the toxic talkers. Hello? You watch some news today, and all of a sudden, it just kind of draws a line in the sand. Who sees this thing according to God's ways, and who sees this thing just according to man's ways? If you're looking today and just saying, well, it's the worst, it's all over, the world's about to end. Hey, welcome to the encouragement club in Christianity. Man, we need more of you, please. No. This is the day today to say the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I don't care what the world says, what the world does, who the latest ruler is that rises up. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Jesus Christ is still Lord of the church. The gospel is still what changes lives. And that's still who we're called to take into all the world and make disciples by. Amen? Amen. There's plenty of toxic talkers out there. Toxic talkers think their life is harder than anybody else's life. Oh, I got more problems than anybody. Oh, man, you, man, you just hadn't seen what I got going. You just hadn't seen my situation. You hadn't seen my job. You hadn't seen my work. You hadn't seen my boss. You hadn't seen my wife, my husband, my kids, my situation. Toxic talkers think their situation is worse than anybody else. They leave the power of God completely out of the situation. They've got the power of the enemy more than they, that they talk up more than the power of God. Toxic talkers are ready with all the reasons why someone's idea won't work. You ever had one of those guys or girls around you who someone's got an idea and there's always the person in the room that says, that ain't gonna work. Let me tell you three reasons why. You know who that usually is in our family? Roasted, as Hunter says. It's true. I can be that guy if I'm not careful. Uh, it's, just, it's just impulse right out of my mouth. Here's five reasons why that won't work. I've already studied it in my head. I know you just told me two seconds ago. I didn't need a lot of time. I can tell you it's not going to work. All right, me and Jerry are on the same page on this one, right? Hey, you need some realistic thinkers, but realistic thinkers see life from God's perspective. That's what we need to be doing. And I need people around me who, like Heather, See possibility. 
and God ahead of the situation. But toxic talkers don't think that way. They don't talk that way. They talk, worst case scenario, they talk in terms of all the trouble. Toxic talkers also blame others instead of owning their responsibility. Quick to point out someone else and they caused this, it's their fault, if it wasn't been for them, I wouldn't be in this situation, they're the reason we're even having this problem, they're the ones, it's their fault, blame, 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 instead of saying, God, you are on the throne of my life. You bring in what you choose to bring in and I'm gonna trust you in it and I'm gonna walk in your ways in it. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to instead accept the responsibility for what you've called me to. And of course, my situation looks different than anybody else's. It's the one you've designed for me. So I'll walk responsibly in the one you've called me to. Toxic talkers talk about how good everybody else has it, how bad they've got it. Toxic talkers end up with no energy. Toxic talkers don't give off any energy to people. Nobody leaves talking to a toxic talker and says, man, I'm ready to take on the world. No, you get around those people and you go home like, I'm ready to be crushed by the world. You know, I just want to go home and, you know, crawl up under the covers and uh, watch some CNN, just how terrible things are, you know. Just... But that's what happens. You and I aren't called to be the toxic people. You and I are called to be the voice of truth but the voice of hope that speaks truth. And yes, things are difficult today. Yes, the church is facing greater opposition than perhaps it has in a long time, but that is only a setup for an even greater miracle that waits on the other side, amen? I will not give in to all the toxic talk in our day. This is our day to be the church. This is our day to stand our ground. This is our day to keep speaking the truth, keep making disciples, keep going into all the world and doing what Jesus called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Toxic talkers are so easily discouraged. If you have a tendency toward toxic hearing, stay away from toxic talkers. If you're easily brought down, turn that news off and turn that Bible on. Get away from those negative talkers and get in front of some people who can speak some life and truth to you. Amen? There's power in that. So you got to say what God says to say in this verse. God says, before it has happened, more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. God said, they are. The There's more of them. He spoke it prophetically, and that's what she was to start saying. I'm going to have more children. I'm going to have children. I'm going to have lots of children. I'm going to have a whole lot of children. If you're going to have children, that's what you have to say in your heart. If you want something birthed from you, then you've got to say what needs to be said to give you the capacity to own what it is. Let me just back all that up and say it one more time. If you want to have something birthed through you, you've got to make some capacity for it to grow in you. Are you with me? If you want to see God work in your life, you're going to have to open up the capacity of your heart to believe that it can do it. If you want to see God do something miraculous in your marriage, 
you're going to have to start talking in terms of him doing something miraculous in your marriage. Stop calling him or her whatever you're calling him or her in your head. And sure, don't say it with your mouth. I'm serious. If you want to see God work, you're going to have to change your vocabulary. You want to see some capacity? Change your vocabulary. You want to see some activity? Change your vocabulary. Stop thinking, man, that dude's a jerk. Stop, start thinking instead, God, that dude's a jerk. But I believe you have a purpose for him. And I'm going to see him as the one you love. I'm going to see him as the one you're working in. I'm going to see him as the one that you have called me to and called him to me. I'm going to change how I talk about it in my head. I promise you, when you change what you believe and say in your head, you will start seeing God work in your life. This barren woman was not ever going to stop being barren as long as she kept calling herself barren. I'm the defeated one. I can't have what she have, has. I never, I'll never be like them. I just, there's something wrong with me. I guess I, you know, I'm, a, I'm an ultimate defeat. I'm never going to be great. I'm never going to experience life. No, stop. That's toxic. You're just repeating what the enemy wants to say to you and is saying to you. Remember, he's called the accuser of the brethren. Stop listening to him and stop quoting him. Stop referencing him. Stop going back to him. Stop saying everything that he says. Stop telling yourself you're a defeat. Stop telling yourself you're still having to pay off your sins. Stop telling yourself all those things because that will keep you in a place of defeat. You'll never get to the next season if you're still living back in winter. You want to see God work in your marriage? Change how you talk about her, about him, because faith says something, faith speaks. Faith just doesn't keep it inside. Make a note on this, 2 Corinthians 4, 13 and 14. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. I believed and I spoke. I believed it's true and I began to say it. I believed that Jesus came into my life and I started saying it to people. I believe that he redeemed me and I started saying it. I believe he forgave me my sins and I started saying it. Can you imagine if someone said, I believe that Jesus died for me and paid for my sins, but all the time inside their head they kept saying, man, if I don't, if I don't straighten up my act, if I don't try to do better, if I don't live perfectly, God's never gonna love me. What? You're not saying what he says. If you're saying Man, I've got a screwed up marriage. She's the worst. He's the worst. It's never going to be better. It's always going to be this way. We're a mess. We're terrible. We don't know how to communicate. We're never going to be intimate. It's never going to be good. You're going to get what you say, but faith speaks. Faith says, God is at work in my life. And what he begins, he will complete. He has not forsaken me. He has not left me. He will fulfill his promises. His word does not return void. He will accomplish it. He will do what he sent his word to accomplish it. It will be done. But it takes somebody who says, I will believe it. I will say it. I'll speak it. I'll stop speaking darkness over my life. I'll stop saying that my heart is dark and wicked and I will start saying I've been made a new creation in Christ. I will stop saying I can never win 
this temptation battle. And I will start saying, I have been made more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You won't see it until you start saying it, and you won't say it until you start believing it. This is where you and I must believe, and we must say what God says. Amen? You do that personally, you do it in your marriage, and we do it as the church. We'll go back again. Remember, this is written as prophecy about the church. So you and I today don't need to be speaking defeat over who we are as the church. You and I don't need to be saying, well, terrible days are coming for the church. Boy, it's going to be awful for us Christians. Boy, these are terrible, terrible, difficult days. You're just speaking death over your situation. Let's say what God says. Let's say what he says. Amen? Let's say that we are the light of the world. Let's say that we have been assembled and his spirit is here amongst us. Let's say that it's important for believers to gather together as one and worship together. Let's say that we have been called ambassadors for Christ. Let's say that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Let's say those things because what we say is what we'll end up doing. Amen? This is not the day for the church to pull back. This is not the day for the church to say, well, I'm just not going to talk about politics and all that kind of stuff. Mm -mm. Come on now. If you've been around vertical any amount of time, you know we will not shy away from it and have not shied away from it. In fact, you go back to the series that we did here called Pick a Side prior to the election in 2020. We just put it out on a big banner out front. We just promoted it everywhere and said, here's our message series. Pick a side because here's what God says about life. Pick a side. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And there's a little bit of, um, well, there was a whole lot of confidence and faith going into it. But I remember asking our staff kind of in this moment of weakness, I'm like, okay, we're all in on this, right? I mean, we're all, you ready to buy into this deal? Because the minute we put up a sign that says pick a side, someone is going to pick an opposite side. And I don't know what's going to happen. I believe it's right, but I don't know what the result will be. And we all forged together that day and said, no, let's go. And as we did, the more bold, the more declarative, the more clear we were, God began to bless this church. And people began to come. Life happened. Growth occurred. Joy entered the room. Confidence entered the room. And peace and purpose entered the room. And God has blessed ever since then. Amen? He has. Let me just give you just a little picture of what that blessing has looked like. As people have come, people have gotten involved, which is awesome. As people have come, people have begun ministering to one another, which is awesome. But as people have come, people have also been giving, which is awesome. Our church has part of our elder team called the leadership team, and they're responsible for missions and uh, work in the area and caring for the health and life of our church. And so this past week, they sat down and looked at what has been their budget and how much they have spent in giving, not spent, how much they have given to local ministries. Vertical Church is big on supporting local ministries like uh, North Ellis County Outreach in Red Oak, 
very happy to support their work because they care for people in the area with food, with services, with counseling, with medical resources, with all kinds of help, and they do it from a biblical perspective. They're not a government agency. They're a Christian-owned agency, and we support their work. We also support First Look in Waxahachie, the agency and ministry that provides counsel and direction to young women and men who are asking the question, I just found out I was pregnant, what do I do? And they give those women and those young, those young men a first look at this baby with sonograms and they are choosing to keep those babies and lives are being changed. We support them because of the growth that's happened, because of the, your giving, the leadership team was able to take the amount that was given and triple that this past week that goes out to those ministries. Amen. When you start saying what God says, he'll bring blessing. So verse three comes up and it says this. Uh, Therefore, because it's coming, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. So let me, let me put a point here. If you want to see the next season of blessing come into your life, then you have to welcome change. Ooh, you got to be ready for some things to be different. And this verse tells us very clearly, he says to this barren woman, he says, young lady, it's time for you to enlarge the place of the tent, your tent where you live, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Now, if there's one thing that's challenging is it's remodeling the space that you live in. If there's one thing that's more challenging for the wife especially is to let someone else do it. Hello, ladies, right? To let someone else swing that hammer, pick that color, do that thing. You get to pick the color, but they're doing it all. And you're like, wait, 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 this is my space. I'm speaking of personal experience in our own house here, right? Heather was all about us expanding, but there was a moment when that first hammer hit the wall and that wall that we had that framed our kitchen space for so many years, when it was about to be gone, it was hard. It was hard for me. It was hard for her to think, our space, where I raised my babies, we taught them how to cook right here. All that changed. If you're going to get ready for, or if you want to see the next season of blessings come into your life, you've got to be ready for some walls to be pushed out of your life. You've got to be ready for some new things. Let's just put some extensions here on our tent. Let's say that this woman, she believed God and her husband, and now all of a sudden, we're going to have to add on. Wait, we're adding another room? Yep. We've got a whole new place, a whole new thing happening. People are coming. God's blessing. We're going to have children. We're going to have to expand to the right and to the left. Lots going on. We're going to have to push out some new tent stakes. We're going to have to do all kind of new support. We're going to change this whole thing around. You've got to be ready for the next level of change. You can't sit around and say, you know, I'm just really kind of happy with things the way they are right now in my life. I'm sorry. If you're happy with the things and the way they are right now in your life, guess what? That's the way they're always going to be in your life. But God is a force that moves forward. Jesus is actively at work in your life. And he does not intend for you to get to some place and say, now, I don't have to change anymore. 
No, he is calling you to be actively conformed and transformed, your thoughts being renewed, your emotions being changed, your will being changed, the way you interact with people changing, your relationships changing, and that ought to be happening. That ought to be happening in you personally. It ought to be happening in your marriage. It ought to be happening for us in the church. Growth is a good thing, right? It is. It's what God has called us to. It's what Jesus made the church for. Tonight, we are having our next step event. It's the event that we have for people who have visited for a while here at Vertical. And they've said, I'm, I'm ready to take that next step. I'm ready to move forward into what's next here. I want to get in. I want to serve. I want to be active. I want to get to know some people. I want to get involved in groups. I want to know how I can be a part of what God is doing here. At that next step event tonight, we have brand new families coming. In fact, we have 10 brand new families who will be here tonight. Amen. Amen. And we've got more signed up for another one that will be posted soon. God is at work growing and building his church, not just numerically, but God is doing something in us. God is stretching our capacity, and you have to be ready for that new level. Let's move on. Verse 2, the second part. He says, so do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. What? This is going to be tough, God. I mean, if I'm going to have to do all of this, then that's going to mean I have to, I'm going to have to get some new cords and some new stakes and some new tarp and it's just going to be bigger. Yes, of course it is. But you're about to bring life into your tent. You're about to bring change into your tent. The glory of God's about to show up in your tent. And when you do it, do not limit God. Don't tell God, okay, God, I'm willing to do this. I'm just not ready to go any further. I'm willing to let you have this part, but not its other part. I'm willing to let you work in my heart, but not my marriage. I'm willing to let you work in my marriage, but not in my heart. I'm willing to let you do this, but not that. I don't want to change that, God. And God says, look, I am the one who is Lord over your life. Let me be the one who draws the blueprints. Let me be the one who says where we're going to add a room next. You just be ready and do not spare, the verse says. Don't hold back. Be extravagant. Lengthen your cords. All these pieces right here, all this, all these pieces, be ready to lengthen them. Be ready to expand out. Be ready to have your heart moved in some places you haven't moved to before. Be ready to think differently. Be ready to relate differently. Be ready to have your marriage change, your life change, the church change. Be ready for all of that. Be ready to reach wider and be willing to put your stake deeper. You can't widen or lengthen your cords unless you're willing to drive the stake deeper. Strengthen your own faith. Trust what God says and do what he says. Change how you pray. You don't have to be asking for God to bless you. You can say, God, I know you've blessed me. Now I want to be ready for that blessing. You don't have to ask God to work in you. He's already at work in you. Ask him to strengthen your faith to see him at work in you. 
you really don't even have to ask him to work in your marriage because he's already working in your marriage. You have to be ready to respond to him when he says, here's what I want you to do in your marriage. Amen? He's at work. His word defines what he's doing. His spirit is within us. So don't limit what he says he wants to do. And then finally, in verse three, our last point, run with the vision. Whatever God gives to you, be ready to run with it. Here in verse three, it says this. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. God is going to work. He will do it. If you'll believe him and trust him in it, he shall work. He will work. And so it's up to us to run with that vision, to not be limited, to not be talking with defeat, to not be talking like we're the victim, to not be talking like we're in complaint all the time, but to trust God, see him. Wow, that was epic. And believe that he will do what he said he would do. I want to finish today with a couple of verses, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Isaiah 40. Starting in verse 27, says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. In other words, why are you saying, God doesn't see me? He's left me. And the things I believed him for, they've passed on by. They're gone. This is the way it's always going to be. It's not going to be different. Verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is our day to find strength in the vision God has. That's why the enemy wants you to downplay, dismiss, and deny that picture, that vision that you have for your life, for your marriage, and for the church. That's why he wants to deceive you and tear you down because if he can get you to lay aside the vision, then you'll lose your strength. You'll try to run and you'll faint. You'll try to walk and you'll be weary and you'll never leave the ground. But those who will trust what God says Oh, they're going to get a picture and God's going to give them a promise and they're going to look ahead and they're going to see it and they're going to start running toward it.
They'll get up every morning chasing it, and they'll be strengthened in it. The more they run, the, the more strength they have. There'll be some days that they'll walk, but boy, they don't get weary in the walk because most of the time, they're so fired up with the vision God has for them, they end up flying like an eagle in this whole deal. They soar over all the troubles, and they see from God's perspective, and God blesses them and blesses them, and they see what he's doing. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads this morning? I know in this room, we all have places where we are waiting on God to bring about what we've been praying for. You're still hurting. You're still waiting. It hasn't come to pass yet. It's in you. It's in your marriage. It's in a relationship. It's in your career. It's in your future. It's in your own struggle with temptation. And God is saying to you this morning, oh, take courage, my son, my daughter. I am here. I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. I am working all things together. Will you believe me? Will you trust me? Will you hold to me? Because it's in the waiting that you find the strength. It's in the waiting that I'll prove myself. Father, I thank you this morning that you desire to do more in us than we could ever imagine for ourselves. And this morning, we lay aside our pride. We lay aside our own analysis. We lay aside our emotions. We lay aside our own will. We lay aside it all, Father, and trust you alone because you are the one who's promised already that there are blessings for us in you. And instead of denying it and dismissing it and down-talking it and be depressed by it, we're going to find our strength in you this morning. We're going to find our hope in you this morning and believe that you will work. You will do what you said. You will fulfill the promises. We will expand to the right and to the left. We will see you work in our lives and our capacity will be stretched and you will be glorified. So, Father, this is where we are today, trusting in you, in the waiting. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.